How's it going, guys? Before we start with today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the guys at Take It Easy Lab, an indie mail-order film lab based in the UK. Take It Easy Lab is the passion project for Liam and Joe, a pair of photographers who know what it means to have a place you can trust when passing over your film for processing and development. These are great guys who really do deserve your support. So check them out on Instagram at Take It Easy Lab and over at www.takeiteasylab.com. They deserve your support, so go and give them a follow and definitely check them out for your developing and scanning needs. that I start every podcast the same way which I find quite fun because people oh. don't tend to reach out with anything but the negativity but I'm gonna I'm gonna start this one the same way but what I will do is a little precursor to this one is that uh, it's 2 a.m as I record this and I've got this really weird feeling that I'm gonna end up doing like an ASMR version of my own podcast where I'm scared to talk too loudly for a completely unknown oh, I reason because I can talk <laughs> as loudly as I want but as we always yeah. do I need to start off with why it is that you first got into photography like why I, I first got into it. I mean, I was mainly kind of like around it as far as like just having some of my closest friends really be into photography and them taking photos and them kind of like creating content back in um like around like 2011 and then really up until like 2016. And then aside from like me actually taking photos, I was on the opposite side of the camera in front of the lens just with friends. Um, and we would just be really just creating for the sake of just like putting things on Tumblr and kind of like having blogs and everything on there. <clears throat> and uh, that was really kind of, I guess the first time I was really exposed to just good looking images and just photo aesthetic um, because I, I never had any type of like artistic or photography background prior to that. And like nobody in my family, um, passed down the passed down the hobby or anything like that or just I never took a class or anything it kind of just found my way to it um organically and then just went about it that way but then fast forwarding from like 2011 and then all those years to 2016 is um when I first started so now I've been doing this uh, a little over four years and uh you know it it really just started as you know showing and like sharing things on Tumblr, but then going past just that and just like documenting our lives, like as friends, whenever we would hang out, whenever we would travel. Um, and that was kind of the basis of my foundation. And I wanted, wanted to continue that on when I finally had the the financial means to buy my own camera. And um, yeah, I, that was kind of just the thing. I just wanted to document my life. I knew I wanted to take photos of people, take photos of my travels. And then, um, yeah, just kind of just be able to document everything, have a nice photo coming from, you know, different sort of situations or um, experiences, you know, throughout my life and just be, be able to hold on to all that. I warned you before we started this and I'm going to warn everyone listening, I'm going to go a little bit philosophical a few times, but a question I'm curious with you, with everyone holding a phone, holding a, a device in their hand that has a camera on it, sort of 24 hours a day, everyone's constantly uploading pictures. When was it that you realized you were a photographer and not just someone taking pictures? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I felt like I was a photographer as, you know, as soon as I bought my first camera, as soon as I, I left the store with it. I mean, the first camera I owned was a Canon 80D. I mean, before then, I mean, I, I would take photos on my phone and, you know, I've, I've been using Instagram for quite some time uh, since 2011. 
and I've had like a few different accounts and things. And I guess like a more personal account to where like I was just taking photos of myself or just, I guess, taking photos that I thought were interesting, like on my phone. But even though like for me, I felt official, like when I had like a, you know, some sort of like professional camera or enthusiast camera, I don't think it's necessarily reserved for people that own some sort of equipment because I have a really good friend and that she's been taking photos on her phone for like years. And I always compliment her on her eye and I can really tell like how she sees things. And like, I, I just like pick up on like how she composes photos. And then she's always documenting everything. I call her an, a historian. Um, <laughs> and I've tried to, you know, push her to really, you know, go and pick up a camera, maybe try to find something that's, you know, a lot easier just to take on uh, just the everyday carry, just so you can have something that's a little bit more of um, can can provide you a little bit of quality, but I don't think there's really any limitation as far as, you know, like what you have, there's plenty of people still, you know, pursuing mobile photography, you know, obviously people shooting film, people shooting digital. There's, there's so many means to that. I think, you know, whatever you're using to make photos, you know, you are a photographer. Now there's definitely like levels and tiers to, um, you know, the photography pursuit. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of people taking photos. And I think the biggest thing is just, I guess the outlier is, you know, how do you make great photos? I think that's probably the biggest, um, something that can be very definitive, I guess, within all of that. I mean, you mentioned earlier about spending time in front of the camera. Do you think that feeds into your experience when it comes to directing people? Um, wow. That's, that's the first time anybody's ever asked me that. Um, you know what? I'm, I can't say for sure. I can't say that it maybe it hasn't. I, I, I mean, I, I'd like to think that everything that I've done up until this point has had some sort of, uh, I guess, effect on, you know, how I just, you know, how I do photography. So yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I think when, even when I was in the front of the camera, it was, it was never, um, like I'd never been like officially signed or anything like that to an agency or professionally like modeled. Uh, so to speak, it was just kind of just something, I guess, that we done, um, cause we just wanted, wanted good photos. So I think having the ability, I guess, to be in front of the camera and just, you know, being able to know what that feels like, um, as far as like relating to somebody that I'm shooting photos, I think maybe it does kind of help me be able to provide them a little bit of comfort. Uh, cause I definitely like know how it feels. And then, I mean, even occasionally now I still step in front of the camera, whether it's just, you know, somebody taking a photo of me, like on my phone, or maybe it's another photographer, like shooting photos of me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting process for sure. How do you describe your, your directorial style? Are you someone that's kind of hands-on and micromanage and really you have a very clear idea of where you want things to end up? Or are you someone that kind of you let someone express themselves and just take pictures. I honestly let people uh, express themselves and kind of take pictures. I think it's kind of like a give and take because uh, sometimes I could be providing, you know, a lot more direction to one individual than say like another. But I think the biggest thing that I like to do is give the people in front of my camera agency 
Um, I like to let them, you know, express themselves and I never want somebody to feel like it's a robotic experience. And, you know, obviously sometimes you can really provide some super in-depth or like, I guess, technical direction or like even you, you, you posing yourself like as a photographer, like for, you know, what you want them to emulate. Um, but I think when I kind of get into that, it's, I feel like I more or less find people finding themselves into poses, like they'll naturally mm-hmm. fall into a place. And I'm just like, okay, wait, hold that for me. Can you do that again? Okay. Now maybe they're in that position. Maybe I'm kind of adjusting them because of the light or just, um, a little bit of their kind of like their posture, uh, just trying to have them be comfortable in front of, uh, the camera. Cause sometimes you can get into some positions where it doesn't look like the best, um, just as far as like, I guess like things looking natural, but then sometimes, you know, weird things work out too, but, you know, having shot with people that are signed and I guess like super experienced as far as modeling, you know, for several years to people that like just started to people that, you know, model a lot, but they're not with an agency or just like friends. Um, I think, you know, being able to or having shot so many different types of people and having some, so many different types of people in front of my lens has like only helped, but I tend to just lean towards like going with the flow. And, um, you know, there may be certain things that I may emphasize at certain points uh, within the shoot, but I think it's all kind of determined on the feeling like in the moment that I have what they're giving me. And then, you know, we kind of just work off that. Something that I've always leaned on really hard with, shooting digital when I'm photographing people, whether it be sort of portraits, fashion shots, wedding, whatever, is the idea of working through an idea or working through a pose sequence or anything like that. And I can take several images. Basically, I can take a lot of no's to get to a yes, essentially. Um, And it's a great way of building confidence with someone where you're not sort of constantly telling them they're doing a, you know, they're doing something wrong or they're doing a bad job or something's not working. You can actually let them kind of do stuff that are just throwaway frames because it's digital. You don't give a shit. And then you get to that one image or that t- those two images that really work. And since lockdown, I've been shooting film quite, quite an, a sort of fair bit. And I don't have that privilege anymore. And I'm certainly finding out my, my weak point with film beyond just a complete lack of photographic skills being anywhere near where I want them to be. It's just that inability to kind of get a flow going when it comes to shooting with film, do you shoot like in sets or do you, do you really work hard to find that like one image and then move on? I think I definitely shoot in sets. Um, I 100% understand and get where you're coming from with shooting digital because I mean, I still shoot digital until this day. Like that's how I started and I didn't pick up film till 2018. And honestly, I feel the same pain. It's a lot harder to get into a flow when you're shooting with somebody or person um because with digital you're able to kind of reel that off and there's a little bit of choreography as far as maybe what somebody may be giving you in front of the camera and they're able to kind of move and then you know maybe they know their angles a little bit and you know you're able to kind of provide that direction like as you're shooting whereas film you know you kind of just you kind of just have to like take that time and yeah like I I feel like it can be kind of like a mixture sometimes because I know I may know that I want to get like an environmental shot. I know I want to get something that's like pretty wide and maybe I'll, I'll start with that and then kind of like work my way in like with a wide medium, then close and then 
from close, medium and back out and um, just kind of like fill out that flow. But I definitely, definitely hear you on that. And I relate to that so much. And I think when we look at the contact sheets of like our portrait sessions or our fashion sessions, we can kind of see our thought process throughout taking photos and it may take, you know, two to three photos to finally get that one that we like. And we can kind of see the progression on the roll. And, um, I try to do my best with that, like, uh, on YouTube where I show like the order that I've shot my photos. So you can kind of see that, that whole process and, um, you know, being limited, especially shooting on six by seven, um, just 10 shots on one roll. It can be, it be, it can be a little bit difficult, but I recently started shooting, um, six, four, five in that extra five shots. Honestly, it makes a, it makes a huge difference. And I feel like it's a little bit easier to get into a flow, but I guess if there's one thing that I dislike about shooting film is just that specific part part. And maybe that's just down to the camera because when I shoot with my contact G2, which is just has autofocus and it's automatic, I can just kind of like point and shoot. I've been able to kind of like find that flow with that and be, I guess, more um, liberal shooting uh, because it's like more frames and everything. It's interesting that you say about showing images that that are the build up to the one that works, showing the ones that didn't completely fulfill what you were looking for. It's something you don't see a tremendous amount with YouTube and it's something, I don't want to be mean, but it's something I find quite frustrating with a lot of uh, YouTube stuff is when people are their own yeah. their own voice, they're very good at hiding or manipulating what they're putting out to only show themselves in the best way possible. Is that something that frustrates you? Is that why you've gone with that kind of more transparent approach? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think it really frustrates me at all because, um, you know, long before kind of getting into film, I've, I've been like an avid, an avid watcher of YouTube in general, like really just the last four years and just kind of like understanding how people move in the YouTube space and kind of like how the, how they present themselves. You know, I guess it's kind of like, um, you know, I guess some of these people that have been big on YouTube while and, you know, more specifically, I guess, shooting photos, maybe at one time they were, you know, showing everything. And then, you know, when they were doing that, like nobody actually cared about what they were doing. And then now that maybe they've, you know, ascended up, you know, they're, they're just only showing their highlights. And, you know, I guess with that, is it, is it something that we look at them and, we're more or less kind of using them as a way to boost our self-esteem because we want to know that our problems aren't unique. You know, we want to know that we're dealing or is what we, is it, is whatever we are dealing with just unique to us or is it something everybody else is going through? And I, but I 100% think it has everybody feeling a lot better if they see somebody else dealing with kind of the same problems mm-hmm. that they're dealing with uh, because, you know, when we see somebody else going through something that's relatable, you know, it just makes the experience more real for us. And it's just like, it makes people look human. And, um, I think for me personally, I, I enjoy the process like a lot. And I know for a fact that maybe only 20, 20 to maybe 30% of the shots that maybe I shoot are ones that I would actually consider putting in my portfolio or sharing Um, but I guess, you know, if people are working on a specific project, it's good to show, you know, 
images that may or may not work, or it's good to have images that support the story. But I think we just have to be able to define, you know, what, I guess, what is real and what isn't, and just know, you know, what we're watching and what we're getting into and just like understand that, you know, people are trying to present themselves in the best light that they can. And it's not always everybody, I guess, is kind of like thinking about themselves, you know, whatever works for them is like, you know, what they'll do because I'm comfortable with showing things that may be subpar and things that may be good or things that I may deem good, you know, somebody else might not think of it that way. So it's definitely something, definitely something in question. Um, But I think we just have to know that, but I think it can be a little bit hard for people coming in, especially like if you're new trying to decipher, um, you know, what people are actually doing like in their videos, but you know, just having that, if it's a genuine person and they're just kind of transparent and you're kind of able to see their character, I think that that helps, you know, tie everything in. And, um, you know, for me, I just, I appreciate transparency a lot. And, um, sometimes I think I'm too honest and I'm, I say too much, but I think it all, uh, it all adds up and helps out. And, uh, you know, just for me, like on my YouTube, I think that's like how I am, like on my channel with showing things like that's actually like how I am. Uh, you know, I'll give anybody any type of knowledge that they want is, you know, if they ask the question, you know, any way that I can help, um, if there's something you can learn from me and kind of move forward with, uh, you know, why not, you know, I'm a big, uh, proponent of paying things forward and, um, just genuinely showing love, uh, because it's something that I just do, you know, from my heart and not that I owe it to anyone. It's just like how I am. So, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but can be it can be a challenge trying to navigate i guess the social media channel um especially like on youtube with all of that showing highlights and showing the low lights and uh just all the good bad ugly and indifferent in terms of youtube if we stick there for a minute it's it's something that i'm always curious to find out people's motivation in the first place for wanting to to add stuff because obviously it's a it's a well of knowledge amongst other substances and you can just go there, you can consume and leave and you don't have to sort of add anything to the, to the mix. But there's, there's a lot of people that do choose to add stuff to the mix. What was your motivation for making YouTube videos in the first place? Oh, so I, I started YouTube. Um, well, I guess I have two, two times that I started YouTube. The first time I was ever like on YouTube was like back in like 2000, like nine that summer. And it was just me and some friends and we were just like making dance videos. And, uh, you know, that was, that was ages ago, but, um, you know, just having my channel and doing everything I'm doing now, I started on January 1st, 2017. And, uh, I guess like at the time it was just like, I wanted to really just document everything that I was doing. Um, I think my YouTube channel has honestly been like chapter markers from like my own life and really just something that I'm doing for myself. But at the same time, you know, if there's people that can, you know, relate to that and um, learn anything from me, I think that's, that's a great thing too, as well. Um, And I honestly like love YouTube from a, excuse me, a long-term, uh, a long-term, I guess, play to like, just have a place to house 
like my own work. Cause like for a while I was just like doing like travel videos and, you know, I do filmmaking as well as aside from just photography. And it was just videos and things that I were making. And I would just kind of put them up there, like music videos I had shot. And it was just like my little place to like house all my creations. Um, but I think last year, yeah, 2019 was really the first time I started putting myself in front of the camera, talking a little bit more about photography. Um, but I think that kind of just got to the point where I was just, you know, more confident being in front of the camera and then, you know, just talking about my own work. And uh, even till this day, I mean, I'm still learning like with everything, but with doing YouTube, I guess on a consistent type of push that I started last year, I, there was like a period where I was doing the weekly stuff. And then I've kind of just been like here and there with it. And, you know, where, whenever I can get something up, you know, I will. But YouTube is definitely like a priority for me personally. And I think having watched so many people um, for such a long time, you know, seeing their climb, seeing their journey, that's something that's continued to inspire me. And it's, you know, begged me to ask the question, like, why not me? Why not us? You know, there's these people seizing these opportunities. And, you know, I believe I can be one of those people that sees the opportunities that come from, I guess, creating some type of platform. And I just want to do it like in my own way and just be genuine and, and also have my, just have me on there as like representation for people that like also, you know, look like me. There's not like a lot of uh, minorities like on YouTube or just black people in general. Um, like on YouTube and I've, I've had people message me and they're just like, you know, they're inspired to see somebody else that looks like them that maybe sound like them or from a similar area. Uh, and it's, I think it's giving people hope is, is like a very, very powerful, powerful thing. And, um, you know, sometimes you definitely want to be able to look up and know that, you know, you're being represented in the space as well. So in the back of my mind, that's like, you know, one of my things I've definitely stood on, but I guess the greater pursuit of YouTube is to have it be, have it grow into something to where it can be sustainable, uh, you know, from a financial perspective and just offer me opportunities that I wouldn't have, I guess, by not being on there. So it's uh, definitely, definitely uh, for sure a pursuit for me to create and just to keep going. And I just like enjoy the process of making videos, editing videos. I love the social aspect and the community aspect behind it. So yeah, I just, you know, want to continue to grow in that space and, um, you know, just see how everything kind of plays out. But um, yeah, I just keep it all going. Well, something I hear quite a lot from people that do YouTube videos, especially those that do tutorials, BTS, anything where they're kind of shooting video while they're shooting photography is is the problem right. of it, it, it impeding one impeding the other that either you end up with sort of lackluster and I'm not talking about from my opinion but the way that it's described by the people doing it they end up with lackluster BTS but you know they've got the photos that they wanted or that they've worked so hard to get the great BTS that the photos kind of took a back seat and they suffered as a result and that's why you do see people yeah. take on sort of extra hands as help yeah do you feel like YouTube's something that in terms of what you've done with it, has it helped your photography or is it something that's a little bit of a struggle to do the video and the photography at the same time? I think it's helped. Um, I think they both like help each other. Uh, you know, I'm like for me, I think of myself as not only like a photographer, not only as like a filmmaker, like I'm, they're both one in the same for me. 
uh, and I, they're both very like dear to my heart. So, I mean, there's definitely been times where like I thought the footage that I got was better than the photos or, you know, vice versa and taking on those extra hands and uh, things definitely help. But I guess, it, you know, it kind of just it kind of just depends on the day, really. And um, I think if you're doing BTS, if you have somebody else filming you like that definitely helps. But then sometimes just talking through the whole process and trying to explain everything in the videos and stuff like that can be kind of hard uh, for sure. I mean, I've definitely have experience with, you know, just shooting the photos, filming the videos and then not even talking um, like in the videos or anything like at all. And uh, it's just kind of like one of those things. I mean, for the most part, like it was just me. I try to do my best that I can, but you know, even the stuff that I've done out in London, it was just kind of like, I was just so in the moment and the days were going that I didn't, you know, feel like flipping the lens on myself and, and talking through what's going on, but more or less, you know, I'll let the photos and I'll let the, let the, um, the video tell the story of like what's going on. And then I guess kind of come from an angle of an actual, visual and it's not more and less kind of like a bts but it's more like a, i guess like an artistic take on like what i'm doing so but i definitely definitely see how they can they can be a challenge and um you know one can be better than the other but i guess it you know it kind of just depends on the day and really just kind of like have to take it all into consideration and uh you know just really apply that focus to whatever you're doing in that moment in time well i feel like um, not being particularly deep in YouTube at all, but I feel like the thing that would frustrate me the most is to just get amazing BTS footage and then have photos that just completely fall flat. I feel like if you had <laughs> yeah. bad BTS footage, but the photos looked amazing, you'd be like, okay, that's fine. I can live with that. I can, you know, I can polish a turn yeah. a little bit with the BTS. But when it comes to like, you've got this amazing BTS footage and then the photos are just like, eh, I think that might be the worst case scenario. Yeah. I mean, I definitely... I feel like, yeah, I mean, I've definitely like experienced that. Um, but I guess I think because like with the video that I do, like specifically like stuff that like I've done from London on the project that I'm working on, I mean, I, I have like a few videos like where I don't like talk at all. And I definitely thought the footage was stronger than the photos like as a whole set. But there was definitely like a few photos in there uh, that I truly like enjoyed. So, you know, there's definitely a, a little bit of a trade-off and um, yeah, I guess it, it kind of just like all depends, but you know, for me, they're both at the forefront to, to, um, you know, push like my own initiative. Like I'm not a, I'm not a photographer that is doing video just so I can capture like what I'm getting. Like I'm, I'm really a, I'm really a hybrid, um, Sorry with these uh, notifications in the back. Um, I'm really a hybrid when it comes to to that, I guess, whole ordeal. Something that I'm really fascinated with YouTube um, is the kind of proliferation of film photography and how much that's exploded over the last sort of 24 months. And um, as the podcast has rolled on and rolled on, um, and I'm talking to more and more people that shoot film, uh, I feel like I'm getting into a really philosophical side of what film photography is. And, and in actual fact, on a couple of episodes ago, I, I had a bit of an epiphany in the conversation I had with the photographer afterwards, which is that essentially film is not dead, is killing film. Because it, it, all the time that we are 
sort of promoting film. There's a difference between being a film photographer and promoting film photography. And I think all the time that you promote film photography, it's weird. It's a fine balance because you want to encourage filmmakers to continue to to produce film, you know, Ilford, Kodak and so on. You want them to continue to produce film, but there's also a diminishing uh, amount of film cameras that are available. And given sort of the technology, the fact that sort of, the 80s and 90s, although there are good cameras in there, they're, you know, inherently flawed by the fact that they're mostly electrical and, and that's going to die out because that's the first thing that usually goes. There's going to come a point where, you know, promoting film is actually doing more harm than good in terms of the longevity of it. Maybe I'm just really pessimistic. So are you are you asking like if that's is promoting film like a bad thing or I guess like what's my take on that whole experience, I guess, like on YouTube? From my point of view, I guess I'm wondering if you think that I'm just being uh, negative for the sake of being negative, or do you think that there's actually a chance that that, that this diminishing supply of cameras, it's either going to take someone stepping up and being, you know, it's going to take Canon and maybe Pentax and someone else stepping up and actually producing cameras for the growing market, which is unlikely, but not impossible. Right. Or we are going to, or we are going to eventually run out of, of cameras, considering that they aren't yeah. usually the longest living things. Right, right. I don't know necessarily like what the balance is. I mean, I feel like whatever gets people taking photos, I think that's like a beautiful thing to just get people to pick up a camera in the first place and set out and say, "Hey, like I want to do this," and be able to share, I guess, that bond with people of cameras of film. Um, as far as supply, I mean, I, that's, that's hard for me to tell, uh, you know, I don't know all of the cameras that are in circulation and I mean, so many cameras were made so many, so many years ago. And, you know, I wonder, you know, which ones are the actual working ones, what cameras, you know, are for parts. It's, it's really kind of like hard to say. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily think that the promoting is, bad uh because i don't i've never thought about i guess like keeping anything really from anyone you know whatever people are interested in like fully dive on into that and explore it now i guess when it comes to making new things i guess we have companies like lomography they recently just came out with a a four by five uh instant back i think uh intrepid is a a newer company, maybe, I don't know. I think, Mm -hmm. but I want to say that they make the four by fives, I guess, like in today's, today's world. And then, um, like it has done their thing, but you know, they've, they have like their whole prices like on that. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, I guess we have like some older and some newer, you know, film cameras. I mean, it was, it hasn't been that, I guess, many decades since like maybe the EOS, I think a one a one V is a film camera, but Canon has like some yeah. film cameras that essentially look like you know DSLRs. I mean, it doesn't seem like that was that that long ago. Now I wonder maybe what some of those cameras is like. I owned an EOS three. I've owned a couple of EOS threes, and they're basically like a five D Mark three, but a film camera, and they are absolutely wonderful cameras to use. And they were being made all the way up to the early 2000s. So obviously in that respect, there's lots of those around and the price of those has gone up about 300% over the last two years. Um, and it'll obviously keep growing from there. Um, th- there obviously are cameras around. It's just, it's just curious for me 
because I think a lot of people have been focused on film as 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 right. the product, whether or not that would not be available anymore because you know we saw a lot of a lot of film stocks go out of circulation because they weren't selling and Kodak pulled them or Ilford pulled them or Fuji pulled yeah. them or whatever. And actually I feel like the more likely end of things is the cameras than the film. I'm not yeah. suggesting it's something that's like three years away, but it's certainly something that's, it's kind yeah. of an irony that the film might outlive the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you know, they'll, they'll definitely, some, at some point something's going to have to change. And mm. like you were saying, it, it might not be like a couple of years from now, but, um, you know, at some point, something, something has definitely, you know, it has to give, uh, you know, maybe Fujifilm could be somebody that really steps into that space to, uh, you know, create a modern day camera for us to use, you know, whether that, I guess that be 35 millimeter or medium format, et cetera. Um, and kind of go forward with like that, I guess Hasselblad, I mean, they're, they're still, you know, making cameras and things like that. And, I want to say that I can't remember one of their latest cameras, but one of those digital film backs can fit on like one of their older ones. Mm. But, you know, I guess if we're saying that the the supply is going to run out, I mean, if some of these camera man, manufacturers are still around, you know, my best guess is, you know, people with like, like M sixes, you know, for, I think from what I've heard, those still get serviced directly um, by like a, a Hasselblad. I would maybe assume the same thing, maybe yeah. Canon as well but maybe some of these other companies that aren't around like anymore, that could be, you know, more of an issue. And then, um, I guess it's really kind of down to independent people repairing cameras. But then at that point you kind of need like another camera to grab parts from to yeah. fix the one that you've had. I mean, I definitely have run into issues with cameras and things before, but you know, it's, it's an important question, uh, no doubt, but hopefully you know, there is some type of response to, I guess, the resurgence and, um, you know, it's, it's film is definitely a topic of conversation right now. And, you know, I'd be interested to see how things look, you know, from a, a year from now, two years from now, uh, because the buzz might not necessarily be there, I guess, from a popular standpoint, but I know for me personally, it's going to be something that I continue to do, uh, just because I enjoy the process so much and, you know, I enjoy the look that I do get from film. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, it bodes well, kind of like, I guess with my, my style of photography. So. I mean, you've done a great job there of turning my incredibly negative question into a positive. So I'll uh, <laughs> thank you for that. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm crippled by pessimism, unfortunately. If I could ask you a bit of a broad philosophical question, generally speaking, uh, especially when it comes to portraiture, do you feel like an image can just be attractive it can just be aesthetically pleasing it can just be a good looking photo of a person as opposed to always having to carry some kind of message or some kind of meaning some kind of uh, sort of subtext 100% I agree with that um I, I I feel like I'm definitely a person that just well not just just solely does that or just takes pretty photos but I feel like for me not every single photo I take has some you know greater story my story is my personal own, you know, how the image came about, like any photo that I've t taken, I can, you know, describe to you, like how I felt, how that day went, how the shoot went, the moments, what led up to that, you know, things after that. Uh, but I think that maybe kind of goes back to kind of just documenting the moments, even, 
with like test shoots and stuff I've done, you know, with models, maybe there was some sort of direction, like as far as styling, but it wasn't like I was trying to create some type of specific like emotion. I mean, there's definitely been times where I've leaned in that way, but I, I think that's all determined by intention. Not every single time you take a photo, it needs to be some like crazy, incredible thing as far as, you know, the storytelling goes, but then I guess maybe that's kind of, you know, up to the viewer, you know, what story they're able to take from that. And, you know, maybe sometimes we don't give people enough, we don't give the audience enough credit to, you know, draw their own conclusions on like, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. And, uh, I think it really, it, you know, it really just all depends on the intention. Uh, I know for sure. I definitely, I would say majority of the time that I don't set out specifically trying to create a specific storyline. Um, but it can kind of go, I guess either way. So, but I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to do that. Like all the time, like if you just want to go and create photos, you know, just like go and do this thing. I don't think you need to have the weight of, you know, every single time, like, you know, you're, you're shooting some (laughs) big, huge thing that needs to live up to some sort of standard. Like it can just be like an attractive photo for you, something that you enjoy and like, and, you know, at the end of the day, if it's, if it's that for you, um, and you're happy with that, that should be more than enough. And then you can kind of just rework everything backwards and fill out and fill out your approach for, you know, how you, how you may want to do things forward with, um, just storytelling and, and, and taking photos. Well, the interpretation part of it is really interesting. It kind of reminds me of, I think it was Tarantino said that if a thousand people go and watch one of his movies, they're seeing a thousand different movies because they're all going right. to take from it what they want to take and they're going to ignore what they want to ignore. And there'll obviously be some overlap, but everyone takes something different. And I think a big problem specifically, I think with photographers, and I've been in other sort of media fields in the past away from photography um, is is sort of wanting to control, not necessarily the narrative, but to control the interpretation. And sometimes I feel like photography, especially with younger generations, I'm only 32, but I feel like I'm about 70 years old at the moment. <laughs> but a, lot of, a lot of younger generations can kind of dumb down or really take what they're doing to sort of be almost one dimensional so that they're making their point. I think um, a place that I've seen that a lot and, and obviously away from whatever social message it carries, I think a lot of the images I've seen of the, uh, the, the unrest over the last few months socially in, in Europe and obviously in America and so on, where people have been out and protested, some of the interpretations have just been incredibly one dimensional. And I think, um, the art that people have tried to create on the back of that. So not necessarily the candid work, but the images that people have constructed to put out a message. They're, right. they're so, they're so obvious and they're so frank and there's so little room for reading into it or even wanting to force, not force, but to, to, to trigger a desire in the viewer to, to read further right. into it. That it's, it's almost, I don't know, we kind of, we're scared as photographers to let people miss the point. Right. Right. You know, to, you know, add on with that is, you know, I'm not a photojournalist, but I think by definition of photojournalist, and I can't say this, this is um, exactly it, but I guess from things that I've read and from what I've picked up is, you know, showing an honest side or showing an honest story in a full one, um, whether that's from, you know, the side that you support or the op- op- or the opposing one, 
and it kind of shows both those stories and brings them in and just tells everything without bias. I've definitely spoke with people about that where they've gone to protest and say, Hey, like I'm, I'm here to do this job and I'm here to report on what's going on and not let my emotions get the best of me. Um, because yeah. these definitely are like trying times. And, you know, I've, I've been telling people that this, a lot of this stuff has been going on for so long. And, um, the biggest thing right now is we all have time to focus on that because we're all at home for the most part. And there's not a lot of distractions going on. So this is, I think I feel like this is the first time like in my lifetime where, you know, everybody's had to sit down and really just take that, take that breather. I mean, I'm 26 and I, I mean, I'm definitely seeing, you know, people just have like that. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's just like a one dimensional thing, whether it's just through just like photojournalism, um, S type stuff, or just like even with their own photography. And I think for me, you know, anytime that I pick up my camera and I'm taking photos, whatever somebody interprets from that, you know, I'm not in control of that. And I think, you know, I guess that kind of segues even more just to being on the YouTube space. Like I just kind of put things out there and, you know, how they're received is like how they're, however they're received or how I'm received is, you know, it's, it's not up to me at all. So I kind of like almost, I said it and forget it when it comes to, I guess, just publishing things like online. I don't get too caught up in, um, you know, what's going on or if things are getting traction, et cetera. And, you know, I kind of just take my own strides and, you know, I guess tell my own stories and, uh, you know, I may think of them one way, but it's interesting to hear the different perspectives and, and things from people. I think that is the beautiful part is everybody's going to take what they want from it. And uh, I guess all I can really say is, you know, hopefully that they take something good from it or take something that, you know, inspires something inside of them to actually take action on whatever they're wanting to take action on. Hopefully something mm-hmm. good though. But <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, you know, just one of those things. I think it, anytime we're putting things out in a public space, it just, it takes like a special person to do that already. And um, yeah, I try not to force a narrative. The one thing I just wish I would see more often is, is people find their own voice rather than, and I don't just mean in kind of a sociopolitical way, but I actually mean artistically yeah. as well. I, people would just find their voice rather than trying to predict everyone else's or trying to speak for yeah. other people. I mean, I don't think I want to do this on a podcast, but some of the messages I've had over the last few months about photographers that want to include more diversity in their portfolio. And it's like, it, it couldn't be any clearer what your, you know, what your kind of approach is on this. Like yeah. you basically you're, you're seeing what's happening as a potential, as an opportunity for yourself. Right. You know, uh, there's going to be people that do that. I mean, Amazon's made 900 million from a pandemic. So everyone's taking what they can from it, I guess. But, you know, maybe try and just put some flowers on it and make it look like something else. Don't make it so obvious that you're like, you know, yeah. I need to find some, I need to find some Chinese because there's not enough Chinese yeah. in my portfolio where it's just so obvious. It's so, it's yeah. so painful. And, and I, I don't know, I feel like artistically, you know, aside from the socio-political stuff, I do feel like far too many photographers now have got sort of too good a peripheral vision. They're paying too much attention to what the guy next to them is doing or, you know, what's popular on Instagram or whatever. And they're, 
rather than just find their own voice and then find their own audience and grow that audience and, and kind of have people love them for what they do. They want people to just double click on a photo because it kind of looks similar to another one that was really popular. Right. Right. Yeah. That honestly, that whole vein is, um, it's a, it's a slippery slope. And for me, I've never, I've always just done like what I do and I've picked up a lot from people, good, bad, and indifferent, and kind of just like learn from that and kind of just figure out my own way and, you know, figure out my own voice. Um, and I was just telling somebody the other day is just basically like, I have to keep going like for me with whatever I'm doing, my creative pursuit. Uh, cause at the end of the day, like if I'm doing work, that's empowering me. If I'm doing work that makes me want to pick up the camera or I'm just taking, taking action on the things that I love. I think that's, that's the most genuine approach. Now, if there's something out there that, you know, inspires some type of change, I think there's definitely a way to go about it. Um, you know, I'm definitely a person of integrity and I, I hold that in a higher regard. And I think about things like that a lot um, when it comes to messaging and things. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of like mixed messaging and just getting things like misconstrued. Obviously people perceive things, you know, like how they perceive them, but I still think there's like a right and a wrong when it comes to the integrity uh, within like photography. When we talk about diversity and inclusion, um, that's something for me, I feel like always from the start and just really just in my life, it goes beyond just like photography, like my group of friends and stuff is always, it's always been in like a diverse friend group. Um, it's not always just one person, I guess, like represented, like I, I'm friends with so many different types of people in all different walks of life and being somebody that enjoys traveling so much and having it being hindered this year, obviously like I take so much from learning people, like learning about them, learning about their culture and seeing where they come from, the part of the world that they do, or just understanding like how they live life. I feel like because I have that type of approach, I guess, just in my life and, and just in appreciating people and just in enjoying people and understanding that people are, are the most important thing in this world. Um, I feel like the people that step in front of my lens, they all have something unique about them or they all, I guess like as a whole, there's, there's just like a good mixture of people representing, um, so to speak. And I, I just find unique things about people. And I, I guess I try to highlight that in my own way. Cause as photographers, like we hold a, a lot of power in showing people like in a specific light. And, um, I think if, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're getting inspired by some sort of revolution or something that's going on and we want to make a change in our own life, there's definitely a way to go about it. But like, it's, it's just really like a right and a wrong. And it's just, I guess, you know, if you're trying to get towards change and maybe your own work and the type of people that, you know, you're shooting, there's just, just, there's really just a right and a wrong way to go about it. And I think it's a lot off of feeling um, as well. Um, and if you're doing things that feel right and it doesn't feel icky or just like a sticky situation, um, mm. you know, you just kind of have to like, I guess, take everything in stride and just, just really learn. And, um, you know, I guess if everything that's happening in the world right now makes people like open up their eyes, like, you know, obviously this is definitely a time 
for that, but it's just, yeah, just have some consideration and, and just think about integrity. And, you know, if, if somebody out there is listening, if they're one of those type of people, just consult with people, maybe from those uh, groups of people or just like consult with friends and just kind of seek out that consultation to, you know, make sure you're, you're um, walking along the right path. hundred percent. And I think one thing that's gotten lost in the mix with um, something like Instagram, where people are chasing likes and they're chasing um, having the most, uh, let's say, beautiful image of a person is that quite often the more interesting the person, the the better the picture. Um, I think yeah. that there are uh, there are a lot of there are obviously a lot of I, I, speaking from personal experience. I've, I've previously worked for a, a glamour agency, as in English glamour, as in the gross stuff. Right, and I was photographing their their sort of uh, commercial work, so it was essentially like headshots and basic sort of lifestyle shots that were for them to be able to be published without showing anything that you can't normally show. Right. And one thing I learned from from that was that the a lot of the women that men sort of coveted and they'll a lot of people will double click on their images. They're not usually yeah. the most interesting people to photograph because for whatever reason I guess you don't have to develop so much of a an interesting turnaround uh, in terms of who you are as a person, if you are just being worshipped for what you are physically, um, and quite yeah. often people will overlook someone uh, for an image when actually their personality, their interaction with you when you're taking images, actually creates a far more interesting and a far more 100%. beautiful image purely because of how much of a character they are. Right, and um, yeah, I mean that's definitely when it comes to taking portraits and just taking shots of people. Like that's that's a, that's very much a reality. Um, you know, I always prefer the people that I have a good interaction with, you know, I feel like their personality and that type of interaction like bleeds out into the photos when people are just like comfortable and it's like a good time. And, uh, you know, if you're able to walk away from the shoot with something good to say about somebody, um, with like how they made you feel and, you know, a positive light, I think that's, that's like a great thing. And I've, I've, shot so many different types of people, all different types of personalities. And I felt like I've, I've, I haven't seen it all, but I've seen just some interesting things. And then just being, I guess, like in the industry for it, just hearing different things about said people, good, bad, and indifferent. It's uh it's an interesting take because somebody could just be viewed in that light to where somebody has like some sort of attraction to them as far as, you know, people receiving that work and maybe, yeah, it's, it's more hyped up because this might be a a beautiful person or, you know, what have you. And I think that's, that's just a little bit of the reality of the work. Um, it's definitely Mm -hmm. kind of like sad to say, and I feel like sometimes like maybe that's a crutch for people is, you know, just, I guess, specifically like the subjects and stuff. So the people in front of the lens, but I guess it's just all like a fine line really. And it's just really comes down to just doing things with like integrity and just having pure and genuine intentions behind like what you're doing. Well, do you know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I saw an image review, uh, like a, 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 an image critique thing years ago and I couldn't tell you who it was. I couldn't tell you why I watched it. It was when you, you know, when you're kind of spaced out and you're just watching YouTube and you're just absorbing all this yeah. random shit that the algorithm yeah. throws up. And 
there's this, this guy giving a, a, a review of uh, someone's portfolio and he's a really interesting review and it's, it taught me a lot about how you go about approaching critique. And one of the things he said was there was this image of this absolutely amazing looking guy. He like, you could have, you could have cut a roast with his, with his cheekbones and his jawline, incredible eyes, everything about the guy was, he's obviously the kind of guy that didn't have to try very hard at school and just floated through because every, every girl was after him. Every guy was probably after him. Everybody just wanted to, to be around him because they have that kind of personality. Right. But the, the, rev, the guy doing the review said, what did you contribute to this photo? You've obviously got an attractive subject, but you know, what's, where, where are you, where are you doing any weightlifting in this other than just, documenting yeah. that this person is in fact good looking. And I thought that was fascinating because wow. like exactly how you put it, so many people put sort of put the subject out as a crutch. Yeah, that's, that is like, that's a uh, awesome way to approach a critique. Like, yeah, what are you contributing? And um, I think that goes back to just giving, you know, how I give people agency in front of my lenses. I know it's a two way street and I, feel like sometimes too, like photographers will take all of the credit for like, you know, what was going on. But I know in fact, if it wasn't for the person in front of my lens, like, you know, that, that image, when that came about how it did, if it wasn't for the interaction on the shoot, it wouldn't have came out like how it did. There's so many factors like all into that. And it's just like, yeah, as a photographer, definitely pull your weight. And, um, you know, there's definitely people that I've shot that have made it you know, a lot easier for me to just like do my thing. Sometimes like, I don't have to think about posing. I just more or less thinking about composition and it's kind of just like little movements and things there that I just try to flow with. And, uh, you know, I guess just let the person be an act of inspiration on like how I point my lens and everything. So it's just, it has to be, it really is a collaborative effort. And I think it's a bigger one than maybe a lot of people like realize. Mm-hmm when you step into that, step into that realm, because, you know, somebody can just go out and maybe even just take the same or shoot with the same person, but maybe the photos turn out totally different. Like two different photographers can go out and shoot. And it's just like, maybe the, the person in front of the lens is given one photographer more than the other, just because of you know, the comfort comfortability that they've set. I think that's a word. <laughs> the, just like the comfort <laughs> level that was uh, that's, that's set. That's a good stepbrothers reference. That's in stepbrothers where they use the word <laughs> comfortability. Yeah, that's a good reference. People are subjects are so, there's so much depth to it. And there's a reason that it's a, a subject that we constantly fascinate ourselves with is because like how much life is there in the eyes? It's not just literally looking at the geometry of the person, but like how much life is there in the eyes? The, the sort of micro expression, there's so much in there that you can, you can take from and, and you can put right. the same model on the same background with the same lighting setup and two different photographers and one can approach it completely differently than another. Right. And generally I'd feel like, I mean, maybe I'm completely on the wrong, on the wrong kilter here, but I feel like the person that just comes in and their mood lines up with what they expect their subject's mood to be is probably going to be the most successful. Because I've seen people be really negative or abrupt or they've they've carried the weight of the world with them into a shoot and then they're trying to do something oh, yeah. where the person's like looking bubbly and it's like the person's not going to look fucking excited if the person taking yeah. their pictures a miserable prick. So you're going to have to like cheer yeah. up. You're going to have to engage. Yeah, you've got you've to be fully present uh, in that moment and... Yeah, you definitely got to have like your feelings in check, like when you're going to these things and and just shooting with people um, because that energy is felt by them uh, as well. 
And, um, I mean, I've had shoots where like I've been running late and I think that definitely kind of bled into the photos, like for a certain part or like a little bit of the interaction. And, you know, it was kind of just like, you know, nobody likes when people are running late and it just, it just kind of creates some sort of energy. And, um, but I think even with shoots where it's kind of like been like that for me, um, like if I'm the person running late or vice versa, but I can speak more for me just like after I feel like even just that initial thing of however, whoever may be feeling, um, once we kind of like get going with the shoot and everything and, you know, people have the ability just to kind of like fill me out and just fill out my personality and things. And then it, I guess just creates for more like a pleasant experience, but I can, I can say for sure, whatever the energy is in the air is, is going to be in the photos, no doubt. Well, I've heard it before from wedding photographers where they say like number one rule is to try and match the mood that you want your bride to have. And speaking on behalf of uh, speaking as someone that has photographed about 350, 400 weddings, I can tell you now that when mm. your bride's not in a good mood, you're not going to have a good day regardless of how good yeah. the light is or how nice the, the decorations are. You're just pissing into the wind trying to have a good day when right. the, you know the main person's pissed off. I actually want to just sort of completely change directions here because I want to ask you a couple of really weird questions leading to a, a, right. a point. I feel like my research is pretty good when I do this. I do really sit down. I make notes. I'm still one of those idiots that actually makes like pen and paper notes. I don't. <laughs> I don't have like an iPad and whatnot. It's tactile. Uh, yeah, it's, it makes me feel like I'm. I tried hard at school when I didn't. I guess. When it comes to you, you don't have a website. Yeah, I actually don't. <laughs> so um, I, I need I need that explained. This is this is yeah. mind blowing. Yeah. So I did. I mean, I did for quite some time. It's actually one of the first things I did when I started photography. Um, but when my Squarespace site uh, expired this year, I just chose not to renew it just because right. of the pandemic and everything. And I was just like, I said, I don't really think I'm going to get booked for anything. And if somebody wants to book me, they're we can just go through my Instagram and then I can kind of just catch things on the inquiry through Instagram and then transfer that to email. Um, cause I don't really like dealing too much with, uh, uh, freelance stuff like through just DMS. Cause like my DMS will get pretty, pretty busy, but it's funny. Uh, cause I actually just had like an inquiry come in like the other day and we solidified everything pretty quick, but I just, I have to like send an email to kind of summarize the shoot and everything like that. But um, you know, I'll get back to having a site at some point, you know, here in the near future, but I just felt like, excuse me, I can, uh, I just felt like I can just save that $200 for the moment and just, I could, could just get purpose to other things. So that was just a, I just didn't want to, I just let it expire. I kept my, um, my email as far as like with my domain and everything like that, but I just, I didn't feel like the need to to have it at this point right now, but I think it's super important to have like a place to, to like house all your work and everything like that. And just, you know, especially like if you're reaching out, reaching out to agencies or, you know, people just have somewhere where they can see, you know, the best of the best. But I felt like just with Instagram right now, I felt like it was just good enough. Like if there were something to come through and I feel like that's, that's been pretty successful for me, but I don't think it's something that I'm going to keep long-term uh, the thing like not having a website, like I still have one is just expired. <laughs> That's all. So it's not live. You know, it's funny because, uh, obviously doing the research, writing down my notes and whatnot, I was thinking that you might be the most ironic person in existence because 
you're a, you're a photographer that's on YouTube, the place where every other video has got that monotonous script read at the beginning of like every other video where they're like, if you need a website or domain, Squarespace is... Oh. <laughs> Everyone does the same thing. They read it with like no energy. They read it like they hate themselves. Yeah. And like you don't have a website. And I think that's that's like the best irony I've ever heard of. Yeah. Let's, let's do a little bit of self-evaluation for you here. I'm, I'm always fascinated by this. I'm going to change it up slightly. I'm going to ask you a question I've never asked anyone before. And I hope that this doesn't backfire me fucking horrendously. But what's your worst moment in photography? Oh, man. I, that can be that. I guess that can really go in like any sort of way. It could be like moment as in like embarrassing, or just moment as in, I guess, just being down like about photography. Mm. So I guess mm. it just like which, I guess, what angle would you want to hear? Because it could really could go either way. I'm I'm gonna do what I suggested earlier, and I'm gonna let you interpret that, man. See, because it could be funny or it could be like, it could be like a really, it could be like a downer, I guess. Um, I don't know if I have like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep it light. We'll keep it light. So it was actually funny. Um, I was in, when I was in London, um, and I don't even know if this is the worst moment, but I guess this is the worst thing uh, as of recent or a year ago. I, I actually like ran out of film, uh, like after one shoot, like I, I ran out of like 120 film. Uh, and then I was heading to another shoot and basically like, because there was one shoot that I had late, that was like in the morning, it was kind of like a domino effect throughout the day. And then me having to stop to go and get film that already made me like really late. And that just mm -hmm. like, that wasn't a good look. Cause it was just like a, yeah, it was just a bad domino effect. And then I just like have to explain like while I'm, why I'm late and then just trying to give people the biggest heads up that I can. Um, so yeah, running out of film, like while you're actually out shooting, like that's, that's no fun. So definitely make sure that you have enough. If you're, if you're making your runs around, that was just like a, it just seems like, I guess a very like minute thing, but it was just so big and it's almost like kind of like embarrassing because it's like, you know, you're going out to take photos, like make sure you have like what you need. But, um, <laughs> I just, I just didn't anticipate shooting, I guess, as much as I did. Yeah. With the people I did. And I was, it was just like, so in the moment and I was just like basically rolling through like what I had, but, uh, yeah, I had to like pick up, um, like a five pack of just like some portrait 400, uh, right. in Pimlico, I think that's it. Uh, it's like, I think that's like West, the West London, maybe, or I was heading out to Chelsea. So I, I stopped at, uh, yeah. Mr. Cad that like small shop over there, like right outside of, um, I can't remember the station over there, but yeah, I, I ran in there and then basically walked to like the location that I was going to and just was kind of making those runs. So like, that'll just like never, that'll never happen. And I guess even from the same trip, I like, I had, um, shot some photos that ended up like motion blur and it was cool and everything, right. but like to, like if you're doing shoots and stuff like for the agencies, like you definitely have to turn something back in and you don't want to be like, Oh, like I didn't get anything. Like this was just like a mistake because it's just like yeah. other people's time and stuff. So I guess that's like another thing too. But luckily, uh, like I had some shots on like 35 millimeter that I was able to kind of turn over and go from that. But even I guess touching back on earlier shooting, having shot photo and video because I shot video, like I have something I guess to show for as well. So yeah wasn't wasn't a total lost cause but yeah on the subject of 
shooting for agencies and, and having to have something. I remember the last time I worked, so this is going back about four or five years, I had um, this uh, dealings with this glamour agency and it turned out to be hilarious because the guy who owned the agency just took a shit ton of money and fucked off to Hong Kong, I think. And like all of a sudden I had these people that were like, oh, you work with this guy. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm, I'm nowhere near experienced enough to know what the fuck is going on. I, I was literally so excited just to get any recognition as a photographer. And now I've just got these people that are pissed off in my DMs. But my right. last shoot, my last shoot with that agency, they called me up and they said, oh, we've got this, this girl coming to you today. And uh, she, big deal, like really big deal. So you've got to impress. Okay. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. The pressure's on. I'm, I'm interested. And um, so she turns up and she's got like Tesco's for for the Americans that don't know what this is. I don't know what the, I guess it would be like a Walgreens type plastic bags. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Filled with wet clothes. Okay. Now oh, it's not man. raining. It's not, it's not raining. So it's fucking weird. And um, she's like, do you mind if I, <laughs> do you mind if I use your dryer? And I was like, oh, my. really? Like that's really, this is happening. So I was like, okay. Um, Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, completely missing the obvious bridge of how this has all come to be. And I'll just, I'll just go along with it. So I was like, okay, she's a big deal. This is weird, but fuck it. I'll try and help. So we get, we get the dryer on for some fucking reason. And we're drying these clothes and we go to shoot the first set. All the lights are set up. Um, she turned up about an hour late already. Yeah. But to be honest, to <laughs> be honest with you, with this start. agency, with this agency, that wasn't a bit, you know, uh, that wasn't even late for them. That was almost early. So we get the, the first lighting set up, all ready to go. And I'm stood there and she's sort of clicking away on her phone, you know, with those like talon nails that make a really loud fucking okay. sound, even when the, the phone silence. Yeah. She's, so she's clicking away <laughs> and I'm just stood there waiting and waiting. And I said to her, you know, I'm good to go when you are. She's like, yeah, yeah. And then she carries on just texting. And uh, yeah. eventually, eventually I coaxed her roughly to where she needed to be. She still had a fucking phone on her, but she got roughly to where she needed to be. And uh, so I took the, the lighting test shot just to sort of see how it was falling on her position and so on. Yeah. One shot. And then she just wandered back over and sat back down with her phone. And I don't know why. I don't know if I, it was like I'd tried to hold in my annoyance and it had just gone south really quickly. But I was yeah. just like, all right, fuck it. We're done. You can go. And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, we're done. I, like, This is the fucking weirdest experience of my life. We're done. You can go. And I, I literally kicked her out. And yeah. uh, like, I had to take her clothes out the dryer, put them back in her plastic bag, and then basically tell her to to go away. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I get a not, phone call not, like an, I get a phone call like an hour later, and they're like, "Do you know what you've done? She's such a big deal. This could really upset the the relationship with the agency." And I was just like, "Honestly, this is the fucking weirdest day of my life. I don't even care anymore. Like, you can take my camera yeah. at this point. I don't even know what's going on with reality." And that, that was significantly worse than, than the day you described and absolutely not even close to my worst day as a photographer. So you did very well. Running out of yeah. film is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy. I've, um, I feel like I've, yeah, I've, I think I've only had like one shoot that was like that where the person was just like disconnected where like I'm trying to direct and guide and then like, I'm like trying to find like the next spot to take photos. And then I look back, they've kind of like wandered like so far away. And then I'm like calling them. I'm like, what the hell is like going on? It's like, they were looking at shooting stars or something during the day. So I'm just like, yeah, that's no matter who you are. It doesn't, I don't care about how big or how small you are. It's like, obviously like just respect like people's time. Like you come here to do this thing, you know, like why we're here, 
like just tap in and just be present, put your phone down and, you know, like let's get to work and, you know, do, do what we came to do. So yeah, that's, that's wild. All right. Let's, let's carry on with this self-evaluation now that I've talked about a terrible day for me. In terms of like your strengths and weaknesses, where do you feel your sort of biggest weaknesses as a photographer? Uh, I think um, my biggest weakness right now is like just trying to stay on top of all of my photos and just like just trying to stay on top of all my photos and just like all like my projects and things. Um, like I've, I've, I've had some film that I've scanned in even from back in July that I just, I like bulk scanned a whole bunch of stuff in, but I haven't like finished like just processing like all the film as far as like getting it to like a final photo. But yeah, like I've been out shooting like here and there. And, uh, I think I'm always before I finish things, like I'm always like on to the, the next thing, or I'm just like always right. constantly like putting myself in a position to continue working and I guess like shooting and stuff, even though um, I have other, other projects and things that I need to like just take care of and, you know, just. But is that, is that the case that you're kind of scared of having, are you like a workaholic? Are you scared of having like a week in front of you where you're not doing something? I don't think I'm scared to like not have something to do. Um, but I am like a workaholic. I mean, I do enjoy my time, like a way to kind of just rest and everything like that. And I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point here soon where like, I'm not gonna like try to, I guess do like, I can go out and shoot like street photos or something like that, where people aren't like waiting on me for something (laughs) like it's going to do like street photography is just, that's obviously just me that that whole process like just relies on me but um you know i definitely not the biggest fan of uh getting messages or something like that uh asking when someone's like asking for some photos or something from me because <laughs> like i already have like a lot going on um anyway as far as like just working like my day job so just trying to like balance all that is can be like pretty hard but i definitely uh have been in positions before where I didn't like have a lot going on. So I guess like there's a part of me that doesn't want to go back to necessarily that feeling that I had before or like killing the momentum. Um, yeah. But I guess I'm like, I'm not like, even though I have stuff going on, I say like, even like the last couple of weeks, like I've been like working on videos, like at a slower pace to just give myself a break. And it wasn't like, all right, I need to just kind of push this out and keep it going. I said, no, I just have like a lot going on. I need to kind of like take a little bit of a step back and just kind of just check back with myself and get everything kind of back in alignment before I can just move forward, I guess, with the the progression of just editing videos and stuff. Because I was just involved in some other projects with other people. I was like an editor and um, yeah, kind of just knowing when to take a break. That's just a big thing sometimes, just taking that step back. And um, just trying to stay on top of everything uh, can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. Uh, and then the flip side, what's your what? What are you strongest at with photography? I think with photography, I feel like the strongest thing I'm. I, I honestly have to. I feel like it's just taking action. Um, like I, I sit down and think about things a lot, but I'm not afraid to just just go for it and just try and just learn along the way and just kind of just have that work ethic and just like put the time in and take the time that it needs and just have the patience with things to just know that eventually like it'll all work out. 
like I, I know it's a long process and everybody's timing is different and just, you know, I guess coming into my own, I know it's a process that's day in and day out. And, um, I think just enjoying and loving the process, like that's, that is, um, my biggest, my biggest strength is like, I, I can pick up the camera, I guess, like at any moment and just, just go and make and just try whether, you know, the photos come out good or bad, just get out there and just, uh, just move forward with things. Are you the kind of person where you say that done is better than perfect? 100%, uh, especially right. like when it comes to, especially when it comes to YouTube. Now I am like, when it comes to like my videos and stuff, like I, I feel like I, I put a lot of attention to detail and like what I'm doing. Um, but I think the done is better than perfect. Like if a video doesn't include like everything that maybe it needs to be, uh, like depending on like what it is, like if, if you're presenting something to somebody, obviously you want to make sure that your facts and everything are right. But if it's just like little things, like I, I've like reshot videos, but if I've like something already done, like I won't take it to the whole next extent to try to just like say, nah, I'm not going to like put that up. Or like if I've, if I've done a video where I like completely jacked up the photos and that was just like the experience, like I'm not going to go re shoot that again and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, like I'm out here. Like it's done. This is what happened. Let's, this is right. what was documented. Let's put it out. Cause um, you know, it's a learning experience for me. And um, you know, I think sometimes when, when things get messed up, it's pretty hysterical. So it's a good laugh for everyone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's, I think there's nothing wrong with that. So um, you know, everything doesn't always like go right. And it's, I feel like there's always things that just come up and you kind of just got to roll with the punches. So. As we roll into halfway through the third hour of the morning for me here in England, it's been an absolute treat to talk to you. Thank you so much for deflecting all of my negativity and turning it into positivity. <laughs> it's all good. As we already know from the talk, you don't have a website, but we need to now direct everyone uh, with where they need to go so they can enjoy your YouTube channel and your Instagram and so on. So please feel free to plug away. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm just... Everywhere, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, just at Vincent Perry Jr. Um, you can just type that right in and then I'll pop right on up. But uh, yeah, those are the platforms that I'm on. And then eventually the, the website will be back up and it'll just be the same thing. I think if you type that in now, it just says the website has expired. So it's just like vincentperryjr.com. But yeah, that's where I'm at. And um, you know, anybody out there listening, just feel free to reach out uh, if you want to chat about the podcast or just anything that I've done. Um, I'm an open book and, you know, I definitely love engaging with the community and and talking to people like all across the world because doing photography has, uh, just given me a whole different perspective, just like on life. And it's afforded me a lot of opportunities just being here on this podcast. Like had I not picked up a camera, had I not started shooting, we wouldn't be here right now having this conversation. So I really appreciate you for having me on and, um, yeah, thank you so much. It's, It's been a pleasure to chat. No, yeah, it's been a great time. It's been a privilege to talk to you, but I do have to ask one favor before we go. And that is if you do eventually end up with a YouTube channel that starts with a Squarespace advert, (laughs) put a little bit of emphasis into that Squarespace advert because the uh, the monotonous (laughs) ones are starting to wear on me. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll definitely do that. Hopefully we'll get to that point. Maybe I'll make a video talking about how I don't have a website and then maybe Squarespace will see it, <laughs> know that I signed up and then they'll just be like, hey man, we'll give you the sponsorship and we'll let you get that site back up. So 
been using Squarespace before before me even saying any ads. But yeah, hopefully one day, you know. <laughs> When I when I advertise this podcast, I'll tag them in it and say that, you know, they need to help you out yeah. and then they'll all be sorted. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you.